Well, happy Founders Week, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to Rhymes with Orange, um, the once weekly podcast that is now recorded <laughs> just whenever we, whenever we feel like <laughs> once a semester. We're still going, though, and, uh, um, and hopefully, oh, hopefully, this spring, we will continue to, uh, to do podcasts. So we're going to start this podcast off with, with some big news. But before we do that, our guest today is Dr. Glenn Jonas. He is the Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, and he's the Charles Howard Professor of Religion um, and Christian Studies for the College of Arts and Sciences. And he's going to uh, join us today for Founders Week to talk uh, about his um, recollection and his stories of Campbell history, his research, um, and a few uh, funny anecdotes here and there of uh, from his own experience. And so if you're a fan of Campbell history, uh, please stay tuned because um, Dr. Glenn Jonas is uh, um, one of those walking encyclopedias, as he refers to another professor um, in this interview. He is a walking encyclopedia of Campbell history, and uh, he, he's fun to talk to. But before we get to that, uh, I'm joined today by Kate Stoneburner. How are you, Kate? Hello. Doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, well, actually, I'm sad because uh, this is your final podcast here at Campbell University. It's actually your last day at Campbell University. Mm. Uh, you'll probably, we'll, you, you're not gone for good. Right. You'll, you'll continue to write for us and, and we'll see your name. And, uh, but you've been doing social media and you've been doing a lot of writing. You've been doing a lot of web content um, for what, three years now? Almost three years? More Almost than three years? five actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> How dare <laughs> you? No way. Five years? <laughs> Well, it just went, it went very quickly. How about that? Yeah, yeah, it did. Ah, you can't be serious. Five years. No, um, not quite five. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you're, you're leaving us. You're, you're, um, you're taking on a new job. You're recently engaged. You're, uh, your, your life's changing. This I know. Big. I told Billy that I felt like I'd become an adult overnight and I didn't like it because <laughs> I love Campbell and I do not want to leave Campbell. But this is an opportunity to write more. And I feel that as a 26 year old, I'm too old for social media. So have fun, Billy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're going to pass it on to a 45 year old. You're um, so much better at it. He made a no. Wordle post that I would never have thought about. Is anyone playing Wordle? Because we both love Wordle, but we're too proud to post our Wordle scores. So I am too proud to post it. I usually finish in the four to five range. Um, That's very nice. You know, the one everybody tripped up on yesterday, I got in five. And, uh, I got that one today's, free. Today's I got in five. Uh, so, um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a fan. And But no, I, the, <laughs> you do this we're trying to talk about you and you switch it to wordle and in the grand scheme of things when when you're when you're um in your 50s and 60s and ready for reti retirement this Campbell experience will have seemed but a small blip on the radar but uh but <laughs> what what do you get what what did uh what did you get most from these last for what you say almost five years i I insist it's nearly three, but but keep going. What, I started what? in March of 2018, and we had just done a giant brand change. And I definitely learned a lot about branding because when I first started here, I was like, I'm kind of on the side of people who don't understand why this is a big deal. And then I realized it's a huge deal. So I've learned so much about that. I feel like I really became a better writer. I became a much more comfortable slash confident interviewer. I 
yeah, I think I learned a lot about how to not take my writing so seriously. I had this awesome experience in South Africa. I learned so much from Campbell's spiritual life program. We did that awesome faith and vocation cohort where I got to look at why I want to become a writer and which ironically made me want to pursue more writing jobs anyway. Way to go, Campbell. <laughs> yeah, great job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. This was, you know, this was my first, I would consider this my first real job. I had one job out of school that Campbell kind of rescued me from. It was not what I wanted to do. And I knew that. So I'm so grateful to Campbell and to you because you've been the best. Oh, you're supposed to be my supervisor. You've been the best mentor <laughs> slash coworker ever. And I've really enjoyed hosting this podcast and making stupid dvd prank jokes and stealing your beanbag chairs so i'm gonna miss it. it it was fun um doing this podcast with you but more fun just doing the uh you know doing the the magazine planning and the videos that we had to do and you know um, um the endless karaoke uh yeah, the events that we attended and um, absolutely no, uncontested, uh, but still having a great time. <laughs> but uh, no, you you've you're you became a friend, um, you know, uh, very quickly, and uh, we're I'm gonna miss you, and I know Campbell's gonna miss you. So um, it's uh, easier to say that on a podcast, and it's a lot stranger to just say it when we're not recording. So. True. <laughs> Uh, I do work remote now, so I will come to get, uh, I'll come to do leg day with Gerardo. I've already told him that we'll do that. And then I'll come to okay. do our running that we used to do in the olden days. Okay. Oh, good. So, so like I said, you're gone, but you're not gone, gone. You're, you're still going to do some writing for us and, and, uh, you're still come to campus. Um, you're going to want to come here just to get out of the house, I guess. I can oh. imagine. I've loved working from home during the pandemic. I have, mm-hmm. but but I will say this, um, when we did have to return to work, I didn't hate that either. So yeah. <laughs> you, you can get tired of being at home for, for so long. You can. And, uh, I went kind of stir crazy, even just this whole snow day situation. So I think I'm going to need to be a lot more intentional about scheduling things with my friends, which is not my personality type. I just kind of tag along with other people's plans and now I need to make my own. So like I said, becoming an adult, <laughs> horrifying, I hate it onto the podcast. (laughs) We are here today with Dr. Glenn Jonas. He is the Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. He's the Charles Howard Professor of Religion Chair in the Christian Studies Department, and he is also a great Campbell historian. And we wanted him to tell us some Founders Day theme stories while we're having this week where we get to look back at Campbell's history, celebrate its heritage, and uh, thank the donors that are keeping it going today. So Dr. Dennis, welcome. Thank you very much, Kate. I, I appreciate uh, you and Billy uh, inviting me to do this. I've, I've been looking forward to it and, and I, uh, I, I do love Campbell history. It's just fascinating. Um, it's, it's just amazing what you can find when you start turning over rocks and, and asking people questions. And so I, I appreciate you allowing me to be here. Yeah, we're excited. So when we talked earlier, you told me a couple of good anecdotes that I'd never heard. And I've been at Campbell for about five years. So what are some of your favorite Campbell history anecdotes? 
Yeah, well, I'm, I appreciate that. I, uh, <clears throat> um, I, I don't know. One of the uh, one, one of the most interesting uh, stories that that I heard when when I came here. I did not hear this directly from the woman I'm going to tell you about, but I heard someone say that this woman had said that. But but anyway, um, the woman that I'm talking about is Catherine King, who is the uh, she's still living. She's the granddaughter of Dr. J.A. Campbell, our founder. And um, Catherine was uh, just retiring from the faculty um, when we moved to Bowie's Creek in 1994. She taught in uh, the School of Education. I, uh, I think they still called it home economics back then. Um, they, they eventually changed the name of that major to something like family and consumer sciences or something like that. And then I think they, they eventually phased it out. But Catherine, um, uh, Catherine now lives um, in, a, in another community down near where her, her daughters live, down in the Southern Pines, Pinehurst area. But of course, her house is just across the street from the student, uh, the new student union and, and, um, and her um, think she has a grandson that may be living in the house now. But, but anyway, all that said, my, my family uh, got to be very close to, to Catherine when, when we first moved here. Catherine was like a surrogate grandmother to my daughters as they were growing up. In fact, my daughters came along at a, at a time when there were a lot of little girls that were involved in our um, uh, in our church, we go to Memorial Baptist Church, and, and our daughters came along, and it seemed like their Sunday school classes just had more girls than, than, than boys at the time, and so Catherine would have little tea parties for the girls and things like that, and they'd bring their baby dolls over, and, and she babysat for us. Uh, I, I know on a few occasions, our daughters even spent the night with her some, and, and uh, so we, we just got to be very close to Catherine, and, and um, Catherine, of course, knew a lot of things about the university. Her grandfather had been the founder, and her her father had uh, was was Dr. Leslie Campbell. and And somebody told me I, I never verified this with her, but but somebody told me one time that uh, uh, she was once asked about how Campbell got to be uh, how how orange and black got to be Campbell's colors. And of course, the tradition was always that. Um, as uh, as the crowd stood watching Kivett Hall burning that night, that tragic night that it burned, uh. 1900, 1901, something like that. It was, um, I think it was right around Christmas when it burned. It was uh, uh, in the dead of winter. And supposedly they saw the orange flames against the black sky. And, and, uh, um, and, and that's where the orange and black colors came from. So the person that told me this story, said that, that uh, he asked Catherine one day if that's the reason that, that her grandfather chose orange and black as the colors. And she said, no, she said, my grandfather just had bad taste in colors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Billy, uh, Billy has uh, uh, you know, done this good research on the mascot. I, I don't know if you've done any research on the orange and black colors. Uh, no, I haven't heard the I had heard the fire story also yeah. um but like I said in that article when I referenced um the 
story about how Auburn, uh, you know, got the War Eagle mascot, and there's a legend about it. Right. Um, but the real story of it is not nearly as great as the legend. Yeah. And right. so, you know, there's the quote is when, you know, something, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but, you know, go with the legend or, or, or you know, often the legend is better than history itself. And, mm-hmm. and I, I guess in this case also, uh, you know, the, the, the fire story is way better than just, you know, a president with bad taste. So. Right. I, I, yeah, I, gotta I, be a better. I cannot imagine watching a fire burn down a building and thinking, you know what? <laughs> This is going to be my school. Right, right. Well, well it's also, know, it, it, and probably the, the color didn't change until several decades after that fire, too. And so I, right. it's same with the camel mascot. Uh, I, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that 30 or 40 years later, somebody's referencing that one event to, to make yeah. a decision like that. But it's yeah. still interesting. It's still fun. I like it, that it, theory, it really is. It really yeah. is. Um, one of my uh, one of my favorite <clears throat> things I was telling Kate about. Um, so um, I, I had a when when I first started here at Campbell in 1994 as just assistant professor in the in the religion department and uh, had a colleague named uh, Don Kieser, Dr. Don Kieser, and uh, he he is a legend in in Campbell history. Um, uh, in fact, we, we have several professors that, that were in this department that, that just gave their lives to the university. Uh, Dr. Charles Howard, uh, I'm, I'm the Howard chair, and Dr. Howard was the first professor of Bible uh, at Campbell. Uh, he, he became the successor to J.A. Campbell as the pastor of Bowie's Creek First Baptist Church, and, and so he, he served as pastor of the church, and he also taught Bible here at, at um at the school when it was Bowie's Creek Academy. And then when it became the, the junior college, uh, he, he just taught here. He died. Dr. Howard died um, uh, back in the, um, back in the eighties, I think. And, and I knew still know uh, one, one of his sons. And then he had another son that just passed away a few years ago. And so I've, I've gotten to know the Campbell, uh, the, the, the Howard family. And, and um, so Dr. Howard is one name that is in the, Kind of the 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 lore of the university, and 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 Dr. Kieser is another name. Dr. Kieser, of course, I knew very well. Um, he had already retired from from teaching in the religion department when I joined the faculty, but he was still teaching two courses per semester, and uh, so he would meet with us in faculty meetings. and And Dr. Kieser had been a student at Campbell way back in the 40s, and, and then he eventually went off, finished, I think he, he, uh, he, he did Campbell for two years, then he went to Wake Forest and finished his, his bachelor's degree, and then he went to Southern Seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky, where he did his master's degree and his, and his PhD, then came back to Campbell. He came back to Campbell and started teaching in 1959, which is the year I was born, and so, so I just, I got to be close to Dr. Kieser. Um, he taught church history, which is my field. And, and so he kind of took me under his wings and he would talk to me a lot about Campbell um, history and about what the school was like. I, I wish I could have gotten his stories down on, on tape um, uh, because he was just, a, just a, um, a wealth of information about the place. That said, he, um, 
we were we were talking one day the uh, there used to be there used to be chimes that would play uh, during the day. It, the the hour would chime. I, I remember every every hour on the hour the 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 chimes uh, and it would come from the belfry of Kivett Hall. And um, Dr. Keyser told me one day he said, Glenn, he said, you know, there's just, that's just a recording that they're doing up there. That's not. That's not really bells that, that are playing. And I said, well, I just assume that because it, it kind of sounded like recording. And uh, he said, but there is a there is a bell up there. The the original bell from Kivett Hall is up there. They just don't use it anymore. And I said, well, that's that's kind of fascinating. And and so um, um, years later, when uh, you know, there was a period a few years ago when Kivett Hall was was almost condemned the building was in bad shape structurally and there was there was actually talk here on the campus that they were going to demolish the building and of course the historian in me and a lot of other people around here were like oh my goodness you can't you can't demolish uh Kivett Hall and and I remember uh talking to the to the provost at the time uh Dr. Green and I said look if if the building is demolished at least preserve the tower, at least preserve the bell tower and build a nice garden around it or, or something like that. But, you know, that the, it's just such an iconic building. And thankfully, uh, they were able to, to get some engineers in there and they were able to, to preserve the building. And, and I'm, I'm really glad of that. So during that process of, of doing the work on the building, they took the building offline and it was closed. And uh, they had workers going in and out and and so one day I saw one of the physical plant workers on the campus and, and I said, um, I said, Herman, I said, I, I have always heard that there's that, that the original bell from Kivett Hall is up there in the, in the belfry. And I said, is that true? And he said, yeah, it's true. He said, uh, it's, it's right up there. And I said, can you show that to me? And so he said, sure. And he said, come on. And so we got in the elevator <clears throat> there in Kivett Hall. <clears throat> excuse me, and went all the way up to the third floor. You had to get out, walk around, go through another door. I can't remember. Uh, it's a convoluted way to get up there, but then you, you go out on a door and suddenly you're out on the roof and, and then you go in another door and climb up some other stairs. And, and, and finally we're up in the belfry and he said, now up in the ceiling, there's a trap door. And if you'll just push through that trap door, the bell is right there. And so of course I had a coat and tie and you know dress slacks to everything <laughs> on. And uh uh so I uh, I I climbed up the ladder that was on the wall there and and just pushed up enough to I, I wasn't gonna go up there because it was so dirty. I just pushed up enough to see that there was indeed a a, a really nice old bell up there. And it was just sitting on a platform. It wasn't attached to anything. It was just just sitting there. So so I came down and, and um, a day or so later, I saw uh, Dr. Green, uh, Dr. Dwayne Green, who was the provost at the time. I saw him on the campus and I said, I said, Dr. Green, I've got this great idea. And he said, what's that? And I said, well, the, the bell, the original bell from Kivett Hall is up there in the, bow, in the belfry. And it's just sitting there on a, on a platform and it's, it's not doing anything. And while we're renovating the building, I think that would be a wonderful time to go up and, and, and get that bell, take it out of there, restore it. 
And then um, every year when we have um, when we have our um, uh, new students and we do the medallion ceremony, uh, I think it would be wonderful if we set up some kind of uh, little brick shelter in the middle of the academic circle and put that bell there and put a plaque there that this is the original bell from Kibbett Hall. It would ring the students into class back during the time that uh, we were Bowie's Creek Academy. And, and so, so when we have our medallion ceremony, why don't we ring our new students into the university? We have a ringing ceremony after the medallion, whatever. Well, he thought it was a wonderful idea. And so sure enough, they, they went up and got the bell. I remember going down to the physical plant and looking at it. I think I took some pictures of it, but I don't, don't have it anymore. But, but it had the information about the foundry where it was, it was made and, and all of that. And I never heard any more about the bell. And then um, <laughs> I was at a football game one, one day and suddenly the bell is down in the football stadium and we ring the bell. When they uh, when they score a touchdown uh, at, at the football stadium, so that's that's how the bell from Kibbit Hall uh, got got to be down at the football stadium. And I don't know in the discussions of the uh, uh, of the administration how it got from the, the the belfry down to the football stadium, but but uh, I I do sort of wish that there there was a time during football games where they would talk about the bell of, of, of Kivett Hall. They had a little thing they played on the, on the video board there talking about it, but I sure wish that, that uh, there was a little bit more done with, with that, that historic bell um, because I think it, I think it is a, uh, an interesting story. One other little well, that's, aspect. That's that what story. I was going to ask. I'm sorry, real, real, yeah, just, okay. to, just to add a, a comment to that. Um, it's it's a pretty large bell and and I can't imagine you know how heavy it is I know at the football games they have to use a a little trailer to, to right. push it around and uh, um, I can't imagine getting it up there for one securing yeah. it back in 1901 1902 securing it up there and then uh, um, and then the probably the, what had to be a massive undertaking to get that thing down. And yeah. you said you had to you had to open a like a trap door to even get up there. So that couldn't have been the way they got it out. They had to get it out some some other way. So. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I would like to have seen them taking it out. I, I, I kept thinking about, um, you know, how are, how are they going to do it? I, I heard that what they did is they uh, I'm looking at Pivot Hall now. They uh, right up there at at the roof of the. Um, the top of Kivett Hall, there are these things that look like window vents or something like that. And I think they took one of those off and took it out through that. I think, I think that's the way they told me they got it out of there. Now, how they got it up there originally, I, I don't know. I would imagine that it would have been a, a process of gradually, um, you know, building platforms and, and, you know, kind of stepping it up there in some kind of way. But um <coughs> Right. I will say that um, somebody, and I can't remember, uh, it may have been, no, I, uh, it may have been Dr. Kieser that told me this, that um, in the 1950s, the bell broke loose from up, up, it was evidently attached to the rafters or something like that. It broke loose and actually fell and fell down through the floors 
into the entrance lobby there at, at Kibbit Hall. And thankfully, nobody was there and, and, you know, they could have been could have been injured. I did ask Catherine King about that. I said, Catherine, do you remember anything about the bell in Kibbit Hall uh, falling and falling through the floors? And she said, oh, yes. She said, we we remember that happening very well. And so um, that that is probably the reason. And they must have taken it back up there and just set it on that on that platform up there and never reattached it. And right. so um, this, this is kind of interesting, I think. And, and but that that's just part of the lore. Now, how much of that is is, you know, factual and so forth. Those are just stories I heard. But but um, uh, that is kind of interesting about the bell and give it all. Hard to believe it's the same bell now that it's painted and. Football. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of hated the fact I, I would like for them to have restored it and not painted it black. But, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, using it at the football games can can connect it to the to the traditions, I think. And and uh, so in that sense, it's it's good. But I kind of had this idea of of, um, you know, uh, ringing the new students into the university at that time we were having the medallion ceremony in D rich. And so when the, when the ceremony would conclude, they would bring the faculty out and we would line up down the academic circle and they would walk the new students by us and we would clap for them. Um, eventually when they built the convocation center, they started having it in the, in the convocation center. But um, so that's when I had that, had that idea that we ring that bell as they're, as they're marching the, the new students by. So um, anyway, we've got that beautiful Caroline in at, you know, there at the Divinity School and those bells only ring, I think in the afternoon at five o'clock, they may, they may ring the hour at noon. Um, I, I sort of wish we, we chimed the hour on, on that, but um, I think some of us here in Taylor Hall maybe worry about the noise <laughs> uh, during our classes or something like that, but you get used to things like that, you know. You do. I went to a college where we had recordings um, in the bell tower and uh, music students would make the recordings. So there was yeah. Harry Potter and Star Wars and a lot of various movie themed oh, wow. musicals and stuff that you wouldn't pop songs you would kind of recognize, but not really on time. Yeah, <laughs> it was always a surprise, which was kind of fun. Well, when I first came here, the recordings that they would do they uh, they chimed the hour and then and I don't know if this was every afternoon, but a lot of afternoons you would hear like late in the afternoons it would it would play hymns, you know, traditional yeah. hymns that everyone knew. And I always kind of enjoyed that, particularly in the summertime. It, it just seemed uh, that that was a really nice um, um, kind of a relaxing thing. To, and you could almost hear those. We live about five minutes from here. And you could almost hear, um, in fact, I think a time or two, I was able to hear the, the hymns playing from the, from the, um, the, from the Belfry of Kibbit at, at my house. And, and uh, it was kind of neat. So I, uh, uh, one, one other interesting little thing um, that I'll, I'll tell you about, I'm, I'm, as, as you, you know, I'm doing some oral history interviews um, here at just as much as I can in the time that I have. Um, I, uh, I, right after I finished my PhD at, at Baylor, I, I um, did some postdoctoral work in their oral history institute, ended up working in their oral history institute there for a year before I came to Campbell. And they have a really large 
institute there with a lot of um, a lot of people that go out and do histories and so forth and and um, so I've always wanted to do that here at Campbell but just uh, never you know the pieces weren't all all there until recently and and so uh, I've done some interviews with Bernard McLeod uh, who of course grew up his his family home and farm was was where the convocation center is located now uh, in fact, there was a house there called the McLeod House that was the admissions um, office for mm. for a long time, and and then uh, he gave the the um, money for McLeod uh, Building that's that's there beside the chapel now, uh, which is a beautiful facility for admissions and financial aid. So I did interviews with um, with Bernard McLeod, and and um, um, I've also done uh, some interviews with uh, Burgess Marshbanks. Of course, who who Billy uh, you know has has written about and has said he, he is a he's a walking encyclopedia of of Campbell history. I mean he he I think he said he was eleven years old when J A Campbell gave him that quarter, <laughs> and uh, he said it's the most money he'd ever had at the time. And and uh, he uh, he told me some great stories about playing baseball here in the community and and. Um, um, I talked a little bit about the old mill. You may know that there's an old mill down uh, where the Out where the, the track, uh, uh, track uh, is and and through the woods there. And um, uh, but one of the most interesting stories somebody told me was uh, Carol Leggett. Uh, I've done some interviews with Carol Leggett, who grew up here in Bowie's Creek, and and he was also the um, chief of staff for Senator Robert Morgan. Um, and he was very close to Senator Morgan, um, uh, especially when he started working for Senator Morgan when, when uh, he was Attorney General of North Carolina. And, and so uh, Carol told me some, some interesting things about the, the community and so forth. And one of the funniest stories he told me, and I can't remember the woman's name, um, probably shouldn't call it now, but he said when he was a little boy, uh, every Saturday, the boys would gather up on Main Street because there was a particular woman in town who was famous, and she said we would we would come and we would watch her because she could she would dip snuff and she could spit tobacco juice all the way across Main Street to the <laughs> other side. And he said, when we were boys, we used to gather up there on Saturdays, and we couldn't wait to see her and watch watch her spit tobacco juice across the road. And uh, so I just, there are a lot of funny, funny things like that that you hear um, uh, that, that people will tell you. So uh, Different times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's but so in, hard his to... in his interviews, uh, in his interviews, he, he literally, you know, took me in his mind all the way down Main Street um, with all the established, all the businesses and, and the the um, uh, you know what was there? It was quite a thriving little community back back in those days. So um, it's hard to picture a more residential Boys Creek, but yeah. just from the way that Raleigh is growing, I wonder if it'll ever make a comeback as as Lillington expands and as Garner expands and all those in between places get bigger. Um, I think it's going to be a better and better selling point to come to Campbell. I do too. Really not so far. Yeah, they, I think they're getting ready to develop all of that property um, uh, between Bowie's, between Keith Hills and, and Lillington. There along the river, right. there's about 900 acres, acres there. And I think that there's a developer that's getting ready to start developing that. 
Wow. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I am I agree with you. I do think that Raleigh, I've always said Raleigh is moving south. Mm-hmm. And I think we are situated in just a really uh, ideal location. So yeah. um, you said you've been at Campbell since 1994. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Let me clear my throat real quick. Okay. <laughs> ah, I can edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you said you've been, uh, you've been at Campbell since 1994. And uh, in a lot of the stories I've done, even from people that have only been here for 20 years, just the incredible change in the campus and um, and not only the buildings, but uh, as you as you just alluded to, um, the surrounding community is going to look much different in the, in the coming years. And uh, um, Dr. Jonas, there's some people who who might think, you know, Campbell Campbell's part of Campbell's charm is it's is is it situated in this rural setting in the small community um and that now that we're seeing this suburban growth head this way um how does that make you feel and uh, is that a good or or a negative thing uh for campbell yeah. going forward well um we uh we built our house uh we 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 made a decision to to live right here close to the camp we live our our Fiscal address is technically Coates, but um, we're, you know, I'm only about five minutes from campus. And, and uh, um, my wife, when, when we first came here, was, was still working as a nurse. She's a nurse and, and was working at Betsy Johnson Hospital. So, so we, we really, uh, uh, it was just kind of natural for us to settle here rather than in Fuquay or, or, you know, even further north than that. And, and, uh, it's it's been a nice place to raise our children. It's it's just it, you know it's quiet and it's it's uh, um, you know everybody knows everybody and and uh, but I I have sort of wished through through the years that that I mean, there's not a movie theater in Harnett County. Mm-hmm. There there used to be one and done, uh, but uh, I hate that we have to drive all the way to Raleigh or all the way to Fayetteville to go to a movie and. And uh, the the uh, I've I've always wanted some more I don't know chain restaurants like uh, I don't know Olive Garden and and uh, 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 O Charlie's and TGI Fridays I, you know I've, I like restaurants like that and I've always wanted some some uh, some more of those kinds of, of things although I will say that you know Lillington has improved with with uh, um, some of the eating um, uh, establishments. Uh, it is interesting if you look at Lillington. Um, there are a lot of these little thrift stores and yeah, craft shops and things like that that are opening up uh, downtown. And and uh, so so I do think that um, it, it almost seems like Lillington is where Fuquay was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, so it will be interesting to see. Um, uh, how how things change, but I kind of welcome a little bit more growth in the area. Um, uh, you know, it, it. I do know that my my uh, um, property value has has gone up over the years, which is uh, which never is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so um, um, so I I, I kind of welcome that. Um, you see, you you do see it creeping into Anger more. Um, um, but also, as as you just said, uh, mostly the northern part of Lillington is seeing it. 
um, yeah. and and uh, with this new this development, and I don't have the details of the development yet, or how many homes, or or where exactly it's going. But uh, um, I've always thought that 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 little strip between um, Lillington and Bowie's Creek, there were there are parts of it, and I'm not going to call it an eyesore, but <laughs> um, no. but the, it looks like you know there's parts of that area that um, that I think could be you know made better the only the only issue i have with any of this is is housing that they build these days are also high density and mm-hmm. um and you know right on top of each other built yeah. for built for space um you know how many can we get in this one lot rather than yeah. you know having a, a nice comfortable community and that that's my only yeah. worry with something like that but uh but yeah so. Yeah, I would like to see something along the lines of another Keith Hills type housing right. area, rather than yeah. uh, you know if you go if you go up 401 North out of um, out of Lillington, there's there's a really nice housing development off to the left. Um, I'm blank on the on the names, and it's something Farms. Um, but then right beside it, they're starting to build these houses that just look like boxes and. Mm-hmm. And they're not, um, you know, right. they're it's just not attractive looking, and and so I, I agree with you. I'd like to, whatever whatever they do build, I would like for it to be a really attractive um, type of, of community. And um, it, it's uh, it's interesting, you know, you talked about the campus itself. When when uh, when we first got here, where the convocation center is, we had the McLeod House, which was the the admissions house. And then right behind it, there was a trailer park. Um, and, and I know uh, I, more than once I heard uh, Herb Kerner, who was, who was the director of admissions back in those days, I heard um, uh, Herb Kerner talk about the fact that, you know, somebody coming in from Interstate, uh, from Interstate 95 on 27, they come through this beautiful little community of, of Benson, you know, right down Main Street of Benson and and come through the rural area, come through Coates, and then the first thing they see when they get to Bowie's Creek is 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 this trailer park. And right. and uh, I think the university owned it and they rented it. Uh, back in the day, it was it was for married you know married housing. Um, but uh, when they when they built the convocation center, they finally you know got rid of that and and it made it much more attractive looking. Um, also on the other side of the campus. Uh, if you go where the um, where the tennis courts and the softball field um, mm-hmm. are, that that area there, right right in that bend where the road where the road bends around to the to the left, that right angle turn, there was a house that sat there, and there was a property owner there that just collected junk in his yard uh he had old washing machines and and all kinds of just it was a terrible eyesore and again you know you hear stories I don't know how much of any of this was true but you hear stories that uh at one time the university wanted to buy his property and he wanted like a few hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars more and the university wouldn't go that far. So he just said, fine, I won't sell it. And he just turned it into an eyesore. And then years later, we, we, we bought it from him for hundred, several hundred thousand. And, and so, uh, 
So I, again, that's the story. I, I don't know whether there's any truth to that or not, but he, uh, he held out and uh, he held out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so I, don't, I don't know how much uh, time we had allotted for this. I don't know if, uh, if you have any more questions, Kate, but I, I did have one more question, Dr. Jonas. And, and I've been here 10 years now, and uh, my favorite stories that I do here are the historical ones, whether it's the basketball school, um, whether it's some of the early families um, here. And uh, I, I think one of, the, one of the great things about this place is that in 10 years, I'm still finding really neat bits of history that, uh, that you know, um, y- you would think you would hit you would be saturated at one point and then I'm finding that that's not the case. Um, is there anything uh, that you've learned recently about this university that, that has surprised you that you didn't know that, um, that, uh, and are you finding the, the same thing that as you go, you're still learning things here and there that, uh, that in all your research, you didn't know previously. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's, it, it's still a learning process. I'm, I'm, um, um, I don't have any, you know, recent big discoveries. I, I, I do want to say a, a good word for the work that um, Sal Macagliano in the history department did in, in you know, uh, locating the, the, of course, everybody knew the original spot where the, the original um, Booze Creek Academy was located, but, but I think they did a good job of of finding the exact spot. And I, I really like what the university did with, with creating that little plaque in the ground. And, and, right. uh, and, and I also like, uh, I've always said we need more statues around here. I like the statue of Dr. Campbell that sits there right in front of, that stands there right in front of, um, of Kivett. Uh, so th- the time that I've been here, I do like the fact that we're starting to um, recognize our history, and we're starting to celebrate some traditions and, and so forth. And, and that was something that when I first came, I thought, wow, we don't, we don't have any traditions really here at the university. There's nothing on the campus really that talks a lot about our history. And, and we're starting to see some of those things. Um, right after Dr. Wallace became president, uh, we went through a, a campus beautification project project, which I think was really needed. And, and so the, the, the grounds, you know, we've, we've got um, beautiful landscaping and, and, uh, and, and so forth. They built the fountain over in, in front of uh, the, the, pharmac- uh, the, the CPHS building and, you know, right, right there in front of uh, Carter Gym. And, and uh, th- those are the kind of things that, that I, I have really enjoyed watching through the years. Um, as, as I think that, you know, people like you, Billy, and, and others are, are really taking an interest in the, in the school's history and in the school's traditions. And uh, what, what I think we need is a student, uh, is an underground secret student society that will do satirical things uh, around the campus. Uh, one of the, uh, when I was a uh, graduate student at Baylor, uh, Baylor has a a famous um, underground society called uh, the Nose Brothers, N-O-Z-E. And um, uh, I don't know what they do now, but when I was there, they, they would always produce a, a uh, um, about every semester, they would produce a satirical copy of the school newspaper. The, the school newspaper was called the Lariat. And uh, 
the Nose Brothers publication was called The Rope. And, and it just, it made fun of, of everything uh, around the campus. And, and uh, I've always thought that the students, we need a, we need an underground, uh, we need an underground secret society like that. But so far, no, no students no. Have, have arisen to create anything like that. No, if they need an advisor, I'll do it. That sounds fun. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I would, I'd be glad to help <laughs> with that too. I, I think that's right. Of course, anyway, you, have and, to court it, you have to keep them in check because, you, you, right. you know, we've all been college students at one time. And, and one of the one of the I guess one of the things I've noticed here, too, is a lot of schools are are um, are doing a. Uh, um, how am I going to word this? A lot of schools are uh, rediscovering, not rediscovering, but they're they're going public with some of the parts of their history that aren't necessarily positive. Um, and they're facing those moments in their history. And uh, um, a lot of schools aren't backing down from that. And, you know, when a lot of these um, statues uh, were coming down and um, a lot of names were being taken off of buildings, uh, I looked into Campbell's history to see if we had any trouble spots in our history. And, you know, there were one or two names that, that uh, came into question here and there. But for the most part, I would say the the men and the women who who started Campbell and who ran Campbell for all these years, um, we didn't find a whole lot of really you know terrible people, and right. that's a credit to this university. And, and it goes back to uh, it goes back to its mission and its early mission and, and its whole purpose. Um, there weren't a lot of shady characters running this place, and that that, that was good to know. Right. Well, and you know, we were established in 1887, and the Civil War ended, you know, 22 years before that. Um, Dr. Campbell himself, uh, you know, maybe his ancestors, but but certainly uh, Dr. Campbell himself would not have had enough money to to have owned uh, uh, slaves um, in in the day. And so, so you're right. I, I have thought about that that very thing. Um, uh, about the various names around here, and and I'm I'm glad that um, uh, I'm glad that we we don't seem to have that in our history. We may discover something at some point. I think we have about mm, five more minutes, and we'll do some editing of our podcast. So no worries on timing there. But do you have any other stories you'd like to share before you go? Or I have a habit of well, not a habit. I I start all of my classes with a short prayer. Um, you know, part of that is the, you know, half, half of me is a pastor anyway. And, and, uh, and, and I just like to, I, I like to start class with a short prayer. I pray for my students. I like for them to hear me praying for them. I think that uh, I, I want them to know I care about them. And, and so I w- I'll start out every class with a prayer. And uh, one of the first couple of years that I was here, uh, the, the religion department, which we're now the Department of Christian Studies, but we were the religion department then. We were down on the first floor of Taylor Hall. This was before the Divinity School was established. And um, I was down in one of the classrooms on the first floor of Taylor Hall. It was the spring semester. We had the windows up in the room because it was hot. And, and uh, that particular classroom, I knew that when a breeze blew through that, I had the door open. When the breeze would blow through, sometimes it would blow that door and the door would slam shut. And so, um, uh, you know, I knew that in my mind. And it was near the beginning of the semester. 
Uh, well, it would no, it wouldn't have been the beginning of the semester. Well, maybe it was a fall semester when it was hot. I, anyway, it was hot that day. We had the windows up, and I started my prayer. And in the middle of my short prayer, I felt a, a nice breeze blowing through the window across the podium where I was at the front. And and so in my mind, I knew that it was going to blow the door shut. And sure enough, right in the middle of my prayer, that door went slam really loud. Well, there was a a student, um, a young woman back in the in the back of the classroom, and it startled her so much that right in the middle of my prayer, she yelled, oh, and she came out with an expletive, and, uh, and the whole class just died laughing, and she was just so terribly embarrassed, and uh, that's that's one of the funniest things that, that I can remember that ever, ever happened in one of my classes. <laughs> But I, you know, I love, I love humor in the classroom. And, and so through, through the years, that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that I just, she was, she was terribly embarrassed. And I assured her that, that that's all right. The good Lord understands that sometimes when we're startled, uh, things, things come out. And um, uh, so, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of things like that with, with students. I've, I have just, I've always enjoyed, you know, the time I've had with, with students and and uh, being in the classroom and um, th- you know one of the things that's been so hard about being remote right now is just having to talk to a computer screen and 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 it's so much more enjoyable being in the classroom with them and and uh, so uh, anyway but that was just that was one story that suddenly popped in my mind and you can decide whether you want to include that or not <laughs> why not all right. Well, Dr. Jonas, thanks so much for sharing your stories and for oh, all the work you. you're doing to record Campbell history. We really appreciate it. And we know that future generations of students are going to appreciate it too. So thank you so much. I appreciate the work you both do.